Hi and welcome to this week's Streetwise Business Podcast. So the new format is that I take five of the articles that John has written for the website and uses emails and I shall read them out as if I am John. So um, every now and again my name will get mentioned and you'll probably hear me say that is me. Um, but yes, so basically I'm going to read these out as John, the person who wrote the emails. Um, wrote the articles. So let's go to the first article, which would be, would you really choose to be cold, wet and miserable? As I look out of my office window, I see bright blue sky with a few brilliant white wispy clouds dotted about. It's a beautiful crisp winter's day at the moment. It wasn't like that an hour ago. If I look to my right of the window, I can see a heavy grey blanket sharing parts of the Yorkshire with cold sleet. An hour ago, we were in the middle of a miserable sleet shower and looking at the skies to the left, I fear that it'll be back again shortly. It seems that the beautiful blue sky I'm currently experiencing is nothing more than a break in the clouds. It's going to be one of those days. Not far from the office, there are several men in high-vis jackets running around laying concrete on building site. It's the same building site I told you about where I watched several men searching for scrap metal in the giant mound of excavated earth a month or two back. I can't imagine how cold their hands and toes are right now. I imagine that biting cold wind and sleet is stinging their cheeks. They cannot shelter from the weather. Their job has to be done. Two concrete trucks are on site pouring wet concrete into foundations which needs to be spread and tampered. Rather them than me, that's all I can say. Now unless my whole world collapsed around me and I had no other option whatsoever, you'll never find me on a building site and there is a reason for that. I've designed my life that way. I choose not to work outside in the cold and the rain doing hard manual graft. And those guys on that building site do work hard. I've seen them lugging heavy blocks, bricks, shovels of sand into mixers and wheelbarrows full of gobbo about the site. It's a hard job. I know that a lot of people love working outside and that they love the camaraderie of working with other people. Many tradespeople work in teams and those teams become a sort of band of brothers, a group of people that they work with for life. However, for me, no amount of banter can compensate for hard work in extreme conditions. The good crack that I hear a lot about is not appealing to me. I can have a chuckle with people in the warmth of an office. I like being dry and warm. More importantly, I like being paid more for what I do per hour without risking getting wet, cold or injured. I like not having to worry or fear about injuring myself or tripping over stuff. The building industry is one of the worst for sustaining an injury. Andy, that's me, who works for us, spent many years working as a carpenter and joiner. And during those years, he has hit his hands several times with hammers, shot a nail into his thumb with a nail gun, dropped numerous items onto his hands and feet, cut himself several times with saw, knives and glass, had dirt landing his eye, on more than one occasion, one time requiring medical attention at A&E, fractured his ankle, he needed crutches and time off work, had lumps of wood kicked back while using heavy-duty table saws, had more large splinters than he cares to remember, caught scabies from imported wood, yes, and apparently so, breathed in more harmful dust and chemicals than he cares to think about, stood on several nails sticking out of timber, tripped and fallen over numerous times sometimes while pushing wheelbarrows up narrow scaffold boards trying to fill skips and more he has also worked with several men who have lost fingers and eyes while using woodworking machinery and one guy has since died from asbestosis so i'm surprised that he is still alive and i'm glad i am 
No wonder he couldn't wait to give it up to work from home as a writer, content creator and sales funnel specialist. It's so much safer and now a podcaster. The only thing he has to fear now is being round up and shot by the grammar Nazis. Working as a builder is not very appealing if you ask me. The building industry can be well paid. Some of the trades can earn good money and scaffolders and those chaps who install miles and miles of steel reinforcing for foundations and structures can earn quite a lot of money. The wages can be attractive to many people. School leavers see how much they can earn doing these kinds of jobs, which is an astronomical amount for a young teen, and then without thinking, dive into a trade which is incredibly hard and extremely taxing on the mind and body. The problem with these types of jobs is that if you want to earn more, you usually have to work more hours, and that means doing more solid graft, often in the cold and wet. Before you know it, years have passed and your body is weathered and broken. The money you have earned is of little comfort because it has been used for living and to keep on living you need to keep on working. Only this time your body struggles through the hard graft you once took in your stride. However, there is another way. In fact, there are many different ways to earn a decent living which does not require you to lose so much of your precious time and risk damaging your health. Unfortunately, very few of these are taught in school. Today it may be a little different but they certainly weren't discussed when I was at school. We were basically taught how to get a job and become a reputable worker drone. We were taught to turn up, spend our day working for small to decent wage, basically earn tax for the government, then go home only to do it all again the following day. It is scary how little people know about the many other ways there are to make money without having to sacrifice your health or your precious time. It is even more scary how many people are actually wasting their lives and damaging their health for a wage just so they can live. Now on the subject of what we are taught and not taught, there are a few copies of my book Why Didn't They Tell Me? 99 Shameless Success Secrets You Won't Learn at Eton, Harrow or even the classes comprehensive still available. As the title suggests, it reveals 99 success secrets which the general public are unaware of. Why are most people unaware of these secrets? Because the focus for all governments is to have the majority of the public doing the same old thing, going to work day in, day out, generating tax money. It makes it easy for them to manage the population, but unfortunately it robs most people of the success they have and deserve. It may be good for them, but it isn't good for you or your family. So I say, give yourself, your husband, your wife, your children and your grandchildren an unfair advantage by arming yourselves with these secrets. To learn more go to www.streetwisenews.com forward slash WDTTM. Now that link is in the description below, so just click on that link and it'll take you to the page where you can find the book. P.S. They don't teach any of this in schools, no matter how much you pay to go there. They don't teach it in college or university either. In fact, they don't teach these secrets and shortcuts anywhere, but you'll find them all in this book. So remember that link is down in the description uh, or you just go to www.streetwisenews.com forward slash WDTTM. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, next topic, next article. uh, And the title for that is really, people will buy any old guff, literally. What I'm about to share with you isn't a business model for everyone and you'll understand why as you listen on. It has its complications, as you'll soon see, and it's more suited for somebody who is younger with a large following. Being an attractive young woman also helps. Stephanie Matto, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, 
31 from Connecticut in the USA, is a reality TV star who appeared on a US show called 90 Day Fiancé. I believe it's something to do with non-US nationals marrying their US national fiancés within a 90-day period so that they can get their K-1 visa. Yes, I know, it sounds as dull as dishwater, but it proves that people will watch any old guff as well as buy it. Stephanie has grown an impressive following of 260,000 fans, and like so many young women these days, she opened up an OnlyFans account where people paid to see more of her. I don't know what kind of content she was posting on her OnlyFans account, but it's what happened next that is interesting, from a business point of view at least. After receiving requests from fans, Stephanie began farting into mason jars and selling them for $500. I always thought this was a complete joke, she said, but she still wanted to see if anybody would buy them and so that's what she did. She offered her fans the chance to buy her guffs in a jar, and they did. A lot of them. Demand was high, they sold out fast. In one article I read said that they were priced at 1000 per bottle, but I saw that she was offering 50% off, so I'm not fully sure whether she sold them at 1000 or just $500 a piece, but what I do know is this. She claims she made over 145000 from selling her farts in a jar. In one week alone, she made a staggering £38,000. One customer bought two jars at $500 each so that he could feel a sense of closeness to her seriously and at one point stephanie was producing up to 50 jars a week she was on a gas producing high protein diet including a lot of protein shakes and black bean soup however the wind changed as she tried to squeeze one more guff out stephanie became unwell she felt that something was not quite right as the pressure in her stomach began to move upwards throughout her body. It got so bad, Stephanie called friends asking to be taken to hospital, believing that she was having a stroke or a heart attack. It was quite hard to breathe and every time I tried to breathe in, I'd feel a pinching sensation around my heart, she explained. Stephanie was diagnosed with severe gas pain. Doctors told her to change her diet and take gas-suppressing medication, which literally killed off her new business. I had to rethink my business model because I knew that selling my farts in this way was not something that was physically sustainable for me. I think the saying, no shit Sherlock, springs to mind here. A few per week perhaps, but not in this quantity. Stephanie has since turned to selling NFTs of art inspired by her farts. Fart art. Now there's something I never thought I would say. A digital artist contacted her and suggested that they made a collection of unique artwork based on her farts. Again, seriously, I have no idea what this means. NFT stands for non-fungible token and is a unique identifier that can cryptographically assign and prove ownership of digital goods. In the physical world, a person can own an original painting by a master. Other people can own prints and copies. The original should, for the most part, be easy distinguishable from the copies. In the digital world, where people can download and copy and paste digital images, to prove ownership meant having the original source files, but now images can have an NFT assigned to them. Maybe you can call it a kind of crypto certificate, perhaps. Some people are spending a lot of money buying unique digital art, often generated by AI software. I don't know if they are seeing them as investments which they can sell later for a profit. The newness of the art and NFT movement will certainly add to the potential of these investments, but once it becomes more common, will digital art have the same value? Some people see NFTs as a fad and as the new dot-com bubble. Time will tell. 
we are in the digital world and it's only going one way, even more digital. Stephanie is now selling her new fart art for 0.05 Ethereum, which at the time of writing has a value of £114. As a bonus to help sales of her new fart art, some of the MFTs come with redeemable gifts, including signed lingerie and now very rare real fart jars. So if you're struggling to think of anything to sell, take a leaf out of Stephanie's book. It proves that you really can sell any old guff, quite literally. As she says herself, I'm very good at turning shit into gold. You need to remember there are a lot of people out there who will buy some very strange stuff. There is always a market to sell to and there is always a product you can sell. It just might not smell so sweet. Now, I don't know much about cryptographically assigned NFT fart art, but I do know that people are making money from the traditional cryptocurrencies and John Banks is one such person. His easy approach to cryptocurrency is to allow a bot to trade the cryptocurrency markets on autopilot while he goes about his day. The system doubles his investment for him. If you would like to know more, then again, in the description, you'll find a link for John Bank's crypto cash strategy. Uh, click on the link and that'll take you to more information. P.S. John shows you exactly how to copy his system, which should take no more than half an hour to set up. After that, the system is left to run on autopilot, growing your investment, taking just £200 starting capital and doubling every six weeks you'll be sitting on a profit of over 50000 in under a year. And that's without introducing a single penny more in capital. As I say, if you want to read more, you will find a link for that in the description. Okay, so over to the uh, next uh, article topic. This one's titled, The Right Time Plus A Little Bit Of Effort Equals... with a question mark. I don't know about you, but I'm not the biggest fan of that lost period of time that sits between Christmas and New Year. Sometimes it feels like a month of Sundays. Now there's a saying that doesn't get used much these days. Very little happens in that week and it can really drag on. This year when I was sat nibbling on God knows how many leftover Christmas treats, a young woman called Hannah delivered a flyer to our house. I heard the letterbox rattle and I jumped up to see who or what had made the noise. It was the most exciting thing to happen that day. As I picked the flyer up off the floor and opened it, I could see why Hannah was out delivering them at this time of the year. The flyer was for Slimming World and they were offering me a taste of freedom. The Christmas and New Year period is generally a time of excess. People eat and drink way more than they should, all because they can and want to. Christmas and New Year is a time of celebration, a time to party and make merry, and it's a time to relax and unwind from the pressure of the year past, which is ironic as it is officially one of the most stressful times of the year. It's also a time to throw out the old and bring in the new. And for many people... That means getting rid of old eating habits, getting rid of excess weight and becoming new and improved person. Well, that's the plan anyway. While most people were still sat on their sofas watching films and troughing on Christmas treats, Hannah, the name written on the back of the flyer, was out and about putting the details of her Slimming World group into people's hands. The timing was perfect. She did absolutely right to get herself out there while her target market was still gorging themselves on festive food and slowly starting to hate themselves for becoming fat. It's become a bit of a modern joke. Everyone knows that at Christmas and New Year, anything goes. The diet starts in January is the motto. What's even funnier is that the people embrace the excess. They know that they will eat and drink crap and put weight on, yet many still end up regretting it and some even resent themselves for doing what they knew they were going to do in the first place. They spent weeks, possibly months, planning and buying the food. However, 
The new year is here and people are now starting to make changes. A lot of people will have signed up to join Hannah's Fat Club and are trying to lose the weight they gained over a food-fueled fortnight. Hannah is a perfect example of hitting the market at the right time. It's well known that people want to lose weight and make changes at the start of new year, right after a period of excess. She took action and went out to find clients. She didn't sit around watching films stuffing her face with Quality Street waiting for people to come to her. She went out looking for them. I don't know how much it costs to join a Slimming World group. I've never had to, nor do I want to, but anyone can do what Hannah did with all manner of businesses. In the past, I've talked about printing up postcards and flyers for high-priced items and affiliate products, which can be popped through people's letterboxes. There could be other services and products that can be offered at New Year, other than helping people to lose weight. Going out to find the right people at the right time and offering them a service which they need is a surefire way of making a success of your business. You don't need me to tell you that. It's common sense. Unfortunately, a lot of people do not do it. They may be scared of putting themselves out there or they unrealistically believe that people will come looking for them. Some people have this romantic view of business where they they start something and people suddenly flock to them. You see it all the time in soaps and soppy Christmas films. A new store opens and it's an immediate success. On opening day there is a queue of people waiting around the block to get in. Minutes after opening the door, the store is swamped with happy customers throwing cash at the owner for goods she managed to make in a cosy shed just last week with the help of a 10-year-old orphan. It's an unrealistic view. Any business which is swamped on launch day or open day is because they have proactively spent months drumming up interest with the use of aggressive advertising and networking. They went to the people just as Hannah did. Find the right people at the right time and offer them the right product. That's it. I wrote an article explaining how it's possible to turn £20.39 into thousands of pounds doing exactly what Hannah did, popping postcards or leaflets through doors. You can read the article here. It's titled How to Turn £20.39 into Thousands of Pounds While Enjoying a Refreshing Walk. You'll find the link of that article below in the description. P.S. This is one of the simplest business models around and I'm more than certain that there is a lot of money to be made doing this. As I say, find the right people at the right time and offer them the right product or service. Okay, so on to the next topic article. Uh, And this one is titled 10. Seriously, you've got to do better than that. I'm a big believer that in success, communication is key. It's vital. I wouldn't be as successful as I am if it wasn't for effective communication. Knowing how to communicate with people gives you a better chance of getting what you want. Andy, that's me who works for us, is in the process of moving house and as part of that he's clearing out a lot of the stuff he doesn't use. One thing to go is the drone he was given for his birthday. He really gets to play with it and so the decision to sell was made. His good lady put it up for sale on Facebook Marketplace for £20. She soon received a message from a guy that simply said, 10. No pound sign, no question mark, no mention of the drone, nothing other than just 10. We can only assume that the guy messaging was offering £10 for the drone instead of the £20 that they were asking for. The message was ignored. Why? Because both Andy and his good lady decided it was both rude and lazy. You could argue that it was straight to the point and if you don't ask you'll never know, which is true. However, there is a way of asking which will give you a fighting chance. They may have sold it for £10 had they talked to the person, but he offered no incentive for them to reply. 
had he written something along the lines of, Hi, is the drone still available? If so, would you consider taking £10 instead of 20 I can collect in 10 minutes and I have the cash ready. Then they would have replied. The message I've just read out clearly states that he's talking about the drone. He has asked if they would consider selling it for £10 and has given them a benefit and an incentive for a fast sale by saying that he can be round in 10 minutes putting cash in their hand. The original message had none of that. The person contacting them was assuming they would know what he was talking about, but the drone was not the only thing they had for sale on Facebook. With many other items listed for sale, they were receiving messages from other people all talking about different things. Simply sending a message that only says 10 has no meaning whatsoever. The example message I wrote would have attracted a reply. That would have opened up conversation which could have resulted in a sale. If Andy's good lady replied and said that they wanted £20, I could have replied with something like, well, if you don't manage to sell it in the next few days and there's little interest, my offer still stands, give me a shout and I'll come right away. That reply would still keep me in the game. Whereas the guy who sent the original message, he's already out of the game. He was shunned as soon as the message was read. I know that you are reading this and thinking, John, I know this is obvious. And you are right, it is obvious. Or you'd be right in thinking that it is. Unfortunately, there are far too many people who really don't know how to communicate effectively. Which is ridiculous in a world that is full of me, me, me people who are all out for themselves. Communicating with people effectively is the best way of getting what you want in life. What you say and how you say it is the magic between success and failure. If you were single and you were looking to find a partner, what do you do? You put the effort into making yourself as visually attractive to the kind of people you want to meet. Some people get that wrong too. It's a close call between being who you really are and what the person you want to meet wants as a partner. If you want a certain type of partner, then you need to become the person they want and not necessarily of who you are, at least not on the first meet. To start with, you need to show them what they want to see. But that's a story for another day. Communication is the same. You need to give people the information they want and need. You tell them what they want and need to hear. Communication is powerful. An army can be sent to do the most horrendous atrocities by a person who effectively communicates his desires to them, no matter how wrong and balmy those desires are. It can also feed millions of hungry people. For me and for you, effective communication puts money in the bank. Knowing what to say and how to say it can reap rewards you might not have originally thought possible. Andy started working for us because of an email he wrote. We were not actively looking for a person to join our team when we received his email. He wrote his own job role and placement so effectively that we had to say yes and gave him a job. The use of words and effective communication can give you so much more in your life. A lot more than randomly messaging people with just 10. So if you'd like to learn how to communicate more effectively and use the power of words to put money into your pocket, then go check out One Letter from Retirement by Streetwise Publications. You will find a link for that again. That's down in the description. Um, P.S. By knowing what to say and how to say it when communicating with other people means that you can literally write your own checks for emails, social media posts, adverts, mailings, sales pages, product descriptions, Knowing what to say and how to say it can motivate people to do more of what you want and need in a good and positive way. And on to the uh, final 
article topic email of this week's podcast. This one is titled Indiana Jones and the Lost Charity Shop of Gold. His eyes slowly scanned the scene ahead of him. To his left were the natives, busy beavering away, sorting through piles and piles of stuff. To the right were other treasure seekers, also searching for the treasure lost deep within the jungle. There is gold in this jungle somewhere. Finally, it was hard enough without having to battle with natives and other treasure seekers. Still scanning the area, he became aware of a glint at the back of the village. It flashed only for a fraction of a second, but it was long enough to draw his attention. There it was, the treasure he was looking for. Quickly looking from left to right, he realised no one else had spotted it. Not the natives, not the other treasure seekers. Only he had seen it. It was his. He just needed to get to it. He lay silently waiting to make his move. Both the natives and the treasure seekers turned their backs to him. Now was the time. Launching himself from his hiding place behind the shelves full of shoes, our brave explorer raced across the store towards the shelves stacked high with teapots. Running fast, trying to maintain a steady breath and heart rate, the plucky explorer weaved in and out of aisles. The natives and the other treasure seekers turned to hear what was making the new drumbeat of feet on the jungle floor. They see the explorer running. They look towards the direction he was heading. They see it. The treasure they too were searching for. They turn and give chase, throwing themselves at the explorer in an attempt to take him down. They need to stop him so that they can reach the treasure first. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And the first of the treasure is the winner. By now I'm sure you are thinking to yourself, John, what the hell are you on about? The above is how I imagine my friend sees his trips to the local charity shops. I swear he thinks he is some kind of Indiana Jones type character searching deep in the junk jungle for lost treasure whilst battling with natives and other treasure seekers. He regularly tells me that there is gold in those shops. I wouldn't know. I'm not a huge fan of trawling through charity shops personally, so I'll have to take his word for it. I have nothing against them, it's just not for me. But I do know that some people love spending hours searching for lost gems. People make good money trawling through charity shops looking for quality bargain price items, which they can flip on eBay for a profit. Sometimes the profits can be huge if you know what to look for. As well as finding great items to flip, you can also find ideas for other businesses. On a recent adventure to seek out bargains, Indiana Jones, my plucky explorer and adventurer friend, sent me a couple of photos of a few items. In those photos, you can see two stacks of magazines. He thought that with me being a publisher, I would be interested in seeing them. I wasn't at first, but then I took a second look. And what you see in those pictures are great examples of niche publications. One is called Smallholder, which is to do with people having like small farms. And the other one is called the BMFA News, which is to do with British Model Flying Association, so basically model planes. And the reason for showing them to you today is this. People pay money to access more of what they enjoy. Whatever their hobbies are, they want to know more. They want to learn more. They want to read more, they want to see more, and they want to participate and experience more. In the pictures above, you will see the two publications which are not that old. These are not magazines from the late 1970s and early 1980s. This is not a doctor's waiting room. This is a charity shop which has just had a recent donation. One of those magazines is only three years old. As I'm sure you're aware, these publications would have cost money to make. There are articles to be written, photographs to buy or photographers to pay, graphics and layout to be paid for, editing and proofreading required, paper to buy, printing to pay for, and then there's the distribution of the magazine to pay for. 
there would be quite a cost to publishing these magazines and no publisher would do that if there wasn't a market to sell to. So why am I showing you this? We now live in the digital age where all of what you see in those magazines can be delivered digitally online, either as a PDF, as an ebook or e-zine, as a website or in a members-only website at a fraction of the cost. As the pictures show, people will happily pay for any hobby. And this is what I wanted to talk about today. If you are looking for a way to make money, you could create a subscription-based newsletter or website business. People will pay to access your content online in whatever format you choose. The opportunity to deliver content digitally is no longer in the hands of the multinational media and tech companies. You have access to all you need. The hardest part is actually deciding what niche to focus on and creating the content. But even then, it doesn't need to be that hard. People are happy to pay five or ten pounds for a newsletter, which is just a few pages long. Even if you produced a simple four or five page newsletter and charged a ridiculously low two ninety nine for it, you can still make a decent amount of money if you get enough people to pay for it. Remember, the costs of online digital publishing are incredibly low compared to the traditional print publishing model. There is no reason as to why you cannot make money publishing newsletters and information about a specific hobby or two. Now, if that sounds interesting to you, Andy, that's me, recorded a video which I think you'll find interesting. It walks you through a popular subscription-based email uh, newsletter business I found last year. And you can watch that video here. It's called Revealed, a simple, fully automated subscription income model you can start from home today. And you can access that video by clicking the link in the description below. P.S. This is something which requires a simple website as shown in the 30 day to 30k challenge can be marketed for free using social media and takes very little time to work on each week. You will also find the link for the 30 day to 30k challenge product in the description below. So that's it for this week. I'm just wrapping up the uh, podcast now. I want to say thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it useful and I look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast next week. Thanks very much and goodbye.